0: With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible.
1: All right, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Our Stories, a KCSN podcast on women's sports in Kansas City brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery. I'm Marlia Campbell, and if you follow Kansas City Sports, you know today's guest Ali Trost Martin is here with us. Ali, thank you so much for for being on the show today. Super excited to get to chat.
2: Thank you so much for having me. When I saw this show launch, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. This year has flown by. Uh, I was so oh excited God. because I think that this is such uh, an awesome topic, and you've had some incredible guests. So I'm honored to be one of them. And yeah, I'm excited for our conversation.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, as soon as this launched, I was like, I have to get Ali on the show. So I'm glad <laughs> we were able to make this happen with crazy schedules. Um, and I have so much I want to ask you, but first I kind of want to start with when you decided you wanted to get into the industry and kind of the path that led you uh, here to Kansas City.
2: Yeah, so I'd say my path was a little um, atypical to the path that you hear most broadcasters in sports go down, um. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster going into college, I decided my senior year that that was something I wanted to pursue. And I went to the University of Missouri for their journalism school. And in those like early introductory classes, um, started having conversations with a bunch of other girls in the in the class and getting to know my classmates and starting to find out that everyone kind of wanted to do the same thing I wanted to do, which was be the next Aaron Andrews. And so, um, you know, I, I was very, I think at the time, naive and thinking like, okay, that's just, you just go and become a sideline reporter and it's that easy and you just kind of do that whole thing. Um, And as I started getting into some of my classes and trying to figure out what my path through college would look like to become the next Aaron Andrews, um, and and Mizzou may be different. I don't know how much things have changed. I was a freshman in college like in 2013, so it's been almost a decade, which is kind of crazy to think about. (laughs) Um, But I I didn't really see a a path to go and do the, the type of broadcasting that i was looking to do which was live sports like that was what really was appealing to me not so much going down the route of you know working at a news station or covering like that's when i thought of working in sports i'm like i want to work at a game like that's where i want to be and so i actually kind of strayed away a little bit from the sports thing and ended up um having my emphasis area be strategic communication within the journalism school So i took a lot of pr classes a lot of marketing advertising communications classes and it wasn't until my um summer before my senior year that i was doing a couple of internships and i was just feeling very unfulfilled i I remember telling my dad i'm like i just i kind of have this feeling that i need to revisit the sports thing and it just was kind of that light bulb for me that you know what Maybe it's possible for me to find a way there, but it's not going to be as easy as maybe I thought it was coming in. That I was someone's just going to hand me a microphone and tell me to go stand down on the field and start talking. So, crazy enough, my senior year starts and it's the fall of 2016, I think, and I get an email randomly from an SB Nation site that covered women's basketball, and they're like, "Hey, would you be interested?" in covering the women's basketball team here as like a beat writer. And I was like, okay, I've never done, you know, beat writing by any chance or by, you know, uh, any stretch. But I was really interested in taking that on and seeing where it could lead me. So I accepted the position despite not having any experience in that realm. But like, I had done a lot of writing at the journalism school and I fell in love with it. And so that kind of sparked for me um, this passion that has carried me through since 2017, 2016, um, and really kind of led, you know, to the next thing and the next thing. But when I moved to Kansas City, I actually worked full time um, as a copywriter and advertising and marketing until I made the jump full time into sports in 2019, joining Sports Radio 810, but had been doing a ton of sports work on the side. And so that was kind of my path, like to get here, and I, you know, of course, made a couple different stops in Kansas City with different publications, blogs, etc., um, and eventually landed here, which is um, sideline reporter for Sporting Kansas City, and doing a, a bunch of other things. And yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. It's like there's no way to answer that question without being very long-winded. So let's like wrap yeah. it
1: up right there. Yeah. Well, I had no idea that you started as a copywriter here. Um, and winning basketball that's awesome so did you cover um Sophie Cunningham would she have been there when you were there
2: yeah okay that's cool the the basketball team when I was there was like amazing um they had upset South Carolina I believe that year and I mean Sophie Sarah Porter it was a really really fun year to cover the team
1: yeah yeah what a place to start um So did you know you wanted to go into soccer specifically as like your focus, or um, were you kind of open to anything?
2: Yeah, I'd say the soccer side of it really started to become more and more of a focus for me when I moved to Kansas City. So when I first started, it was more of just like, I love being around sports, this is the industry that I want to work in, and was just wanting to get experience in any way that I could. And so... When I was nearing graduation and looking at jobs and trying to figure out what my next step was going to be. I was like, well, okay, I have this kind of year under my belt doing this basketball writing and covering the women's basketball team. But really the bulk of my experience up to that point and all my coursework had been in advertising, communications, marketing, like I had a ton of experience doing that. Some of it was like semi sports related, but it wasn't. I didn't have a broadcast reel. I didn't yeah. have this whole portfolio of articles outside of you know the one year um, that I had spent doing the basketball coverage. So you could make an argument. Maybe I could have gone and found something, but you know that's not the way that the story played out. So mm-hmm. I was looking for jobs, and I applied to one job in Kansas City, and it was a copywriting job that my professor had shared with the class. And my brother lived here. He was, or in, yeah, he was in college at the time at Rockhurst, and I was like, okay, I'll apply. And there's a part of me that still will always love like the creative um, writing thing. Like I've always considered myself a really creative person, and so there, there was a lot about that job that I liked. But it was the only job I applied to in Kansas City, and it was the one that I ended up taking. So I moved to Kansas City July of 2017, and when I moved, I also reached out to the SB Nation blog in Kansas City called the Blue Testament that covers Sporting KC. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I worked with another SB Nation blog in college and I grew up playing soccer. I love soccer. And I really want to get more experience in the sports media world. So let me know how I can help. I'm like, I can write for you. I was planning to buy my own camera equipment so I could go out and like tape stand-ups and interviews just to like start building a reel and and start getting the reps that I didn't get in college on the on-camera side. And so that's kind of how I got started in soccer. And I think slowly but surely I, you know, realized just how much I genuinely loved covering that sport because, you know, having played it. And then for me, also looking at sporting Kansas city and the, the path that, you know, could possibly be there to join their broadcast team at some point. Like that to me was like my goal. So I'm, you know, very thankful to have realized that goal and to have, you know, achieved that and to have made it onto the broadcast team starting last year. But um, that was just, I, I think it was, those kind of two things. I absolutely loved it. And then I, at the same time was kind of creating this goal in my head of, I think I want to work on their broadcast someday if I could do it, and so um, I think those two things really, um, really inspired and like drove that passion. But I also have had so many great experiences in between that time of 2017 and last year, covering the Chiefs, going to Miami to cover the Super Bowl, working with Sports Radio 810, getting to host and, and co-host like my own show or, or with other people, and. Um, cover some incredible football games. Like I love football just as much as anybody else. In there, I love really every sport, but soccer has always just held a special place in my heart. Having played it and grown up around the game, it's it's big within my family, and and I just I love being out there on game days.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that that's part of your story. I had no idea. So I came from the University of Wyoming, and I also had no broadcast experience in college, and uh, work in TV now. So um, I know the feeling of being like, where do I start? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah so so those couple of years when you moved to Kansas City and you had this end goal what was it like plugging away and finding these other jobs and did it ever get discouraging was it just crazy what yes. was that process like yes yeah yes um, very
2: <laughs> discouraging yeah. because you know I was doing a lot of this work for no pay so yeah. you're you're working nights you're working weekends just trying to get experience and you know, also working full time nine to five in a job that, you know, is an entry level job. So I I felt like I was really uh, at times just so burnt out and like nothing was ever going to click. Like, am I doing all of this for nothing? Is this just some like kind of crazy dream that I have that is like never going to go anywhere. And, you know, thankfully I've had so many great mentors and, and family and friends uh, my, hu- my now husband, who you know was my boyfriend and then fiance at different points in this whole crazy thing, um, encouraging me and just really like being my sounding board and, and that extra push, like no, keep going, keep going, like you know, don't don't give up on it yet, and, and also helping, I, I think, encourage me to make some big jumps when I needed to. I'd say the most one of the most pivotal points in my career was when i decided to make the move into sports full time because you know it, i was realizing that it wasn't very sustainable for me to you know hold this full time job and then try and like squeeze in all of my off work hours all of my reps and and all of my you know opportunities like in the sports space i was like if i really want to get better at this and if i really want to make it like my my career. I need to, at some point, like move into this full time. And that was kind of risky because no one really, you know, for me, like, I didn't really know what that looked like. Like, what could I offer with my limited reps? And so, you know, fortunately I got connected with Nate Bucati, who is now my broadcast partner at Sporting Kansas City. And, um, you know, he works at Sports Radio 810. He's one of the, you know, he's co-host on the morning show there. And he had seen the work that I was doing covering sporting. I had also joined on uh, with Arrowhead Pride, which was, you know, another SB Nation blog covering the Chiefs and got an opportunity there. So I was doing coverage with both sites. Um, finally started making a little bit of money doing that, but was still working full time. And, you know, so he saw all that work and he was like, you know, I know that you work in like the marketing, advertising, like social media space. He's like, I think you could come join 810 and like provide a lot of value in a lot of different ways. And so I was like, whatever it is, like I'm willing to do it. And so I joined there, uh, right at the start of the fall of 2019 and came on as a, Reporter, I'd go out to games, get audio for the post-game shows, and I'd do little stand-up reports on my phone with a little tripod that would blow over in the winds of Arrowhead <laughs> Stadium more yep. times than I could <laughs> count, freezing my hands off. Um, but I, you know, it was just such a great opportunity for me to finally be like immersed in it full time. I got the chance to join on with different shows, so I got to you know start learning about the radio side of things, and and I think most importantly, started finding my voice, which um, is something. You know looking back was so important for me to have before i made the jump to tv because tv and radio are just to- like totally different worlds i mean yeah. hey here's a microphone in three hours of dead air and it's yours to fill good luck versus hey you gotta spit out you know a, a one minute and 30 second report which i'm not saying one is easier than the other by any means but it's a lot easier to be confident in doing that minute and thirty-second report when you have experience talking to a microphone for three hours. Yeah, and it's just you, you, yeah. and, and oh, the yeah. microphone. So, I'd say like it was such a good experience that I, I wouldn't trade for anything. And I would honestly recommend anybody who wants to get into media to, if you you if you aren't finding opportunities on camera, if that's what you want to do. Try to find opportunities like starting a podcast or joining a radio station because I think like there's so much value to be gained from those types of experiences.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think your story is such an encouraging one in that regard because you look at you now and you figure, you know, you it might have been like jump after the next jump, but it sounded like it was a bit of a grind from you know from the beginning couple of years. Uh, and I also, kind of small world, my first internship was with Nate Bucati and uh, Stephen St. John over on the Border Patrol love them yes if i hope they're listening to this it they that was the best experience for me i don't know why they picked me for it. it i had no experience um but they were awesome and it gave me so much confidence to like sit in a real studio and they you know let me pop on air a little bit and like mess with the editing equipment and stuff so uh yeah those folks are were a big launching pad for me as well um so what was it We've like spoken when you finally, so
2: highly so oh, so just that,
1: know that. They're, they're the best yeah love them Um, so what was it like getting that phone call, email, whatever it was when you heard from Sporting KC and you got offered the position that you have right now? There's still a
2: selfie on my phone that I would, I could find, you know, scrolling back where I like was just like,
3: like my (laughs) mouth
2: like was wide open. And I think like part of me was like one so excited, but I remember that, that like process, it was a couple of weeks long, you know, from the time that. I was reached out to about the position you know to kind of see if i was interested and then like i mean do i try to play it cool i'm like of course i want the job like are you kidding me like i was yeah. so um over the moon excited about it but no there was like a selfie of me where like my mouth is just like wide open and i was just so um so excited so i um i'd say like my reaction was the like that picture is just to me a culmination of like all of that hard work, a lot of tears, a lot of just like waiting and wondering if it was ever going to happen and then just like okay, now let's get to work. Like I I think in in part wanted that position so bad because I knew that it could be a catalyst for me and could uh, and would allow me to really develop some of the skills and things that I wanted to do and like live out my passion. Like I absolutely love my job so much, like I would not trade it for anything. I care about it so much. And like, I think it was just the culmination of all of those emotions and experiences and things like up to that point. So um, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget my first game. And I'll especially never forget everything that first year taught me because I think, you know when you do make a big jump or, or, you know when you step out of your comfort zone and start doing new things I, not a lot of people talk about how much of yourself you have to like kind of face at times and how much unlearning you have to do, um, and kind of unravel some of those like comforts and things like that, because I had a lot of perfectionist tendencies to work through. Um, I had a lot of, you know, grace I needed to learn, um, just in being patient with myself and, you know, not letting a a bad hit or an interview that I fumbled a question like ruin my whole weekend or ruin my whole night. And that happened more times than I'd like to admit, but I think it's all part of the process. And again, continuing to like find your voice and find your confidence and know that like, Hey, it's not always going to be perfect. And that's okay. You can't hold yourself to that standard because it's not achievable. And it doesn't mean that you aren't going to like, it's not like, you need to correct that with not caring as much like no you can still care a lot but you can also understand that like the human side is going to come into play just as teams go out and don't always have the best performance or you know a player makes a bad play in a game like you're going to have times where you make mistakes and you mess up and it doesn't mean that you're not good at what you're doing or that you can't continue to get better it's just it's a part of the process and i wish that that's something i had understood going into it but i'm really grateful for all of that that I learned yeah. in that first year. Cause that was that was definitely tough.
1: Yeah, yeah. I share that perfectionism, Gene, with you. And I remember my uh one of my so I started in news in Topeka at the CBS station there. And on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, I was trying to say if you have a If you need help getting home, make sure to get a designated driver to take you home instead of a drunk driver. And I said, make sure to get a distracted driver to take you home. And now I think that's just so silly and funny and cute. But at the time, yeah, I was like devastated. I was like, there goes my career. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's and now, you know, I could botch a hit and laugh about it and kind of move on. And you take that and you learn from it and you try to get better. But it's honing that like perfectionism and high standards into something that's healthy. Yes. And uh Well, I think, like,
2: I think, like, early in your career, too, and I remember getting out of this mindset was so important for me, like, every gig that I had, because up to that point, like, any on-camera gig I got was, like, very, like, it was very inconsistent, you know, I would get, you know, one opportunity here, and, you know, maybe one opportunity there, and I was like, this has to be real worthy I have to be able to put this on my reel, like, this is going to be the thing that gets me my next job, and, like, that's such an unhealthy place to live when you're doing this job, because what it's doing is you're making it all about you instead of seeing yourself, which I try to do more so now, every time like I step onto the field or I pick up my microphone, it's like, I am a vehicle for the fans to get to know this team better, the game better, like all of these things. I'm just a part of it. I'm not, it's not about me. And as I've been able to like make that my focus and my mindset now, before I get into work mode, it's allowed me to not be so wrapped up in my performance because while that part of it is very important and you can continue to like develop that, it shouldn't be front of mind all the time. And I think that was something, you know, getting, getting the sporting job, having, I mean, last year I started in June. So I had, you know, maybe 20 something games. And then this year having, you know, like 34 games or so, you know, of experience, like the worry became less and less about like, is this going, I had plenty of opportunities. Yeah. But it's also like, even still, you just have to kind of get out of that mindset that for me, I had been living in for so long because I was just wanting these opportunities to showcase my abilities so I could put them on a reel. And then was so worried that, I, you know, because I was always pushing for that next opportunity, which
1: yeah.
2: is, I think kind of my other lesson out of that is like enjoying where you're at in the process, which I know everybody says, but it's like until you like have that click for you, it's really hard to to get that. So I, I'd say like the <laughs> that would be my other lesson out of that as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's the the drive in you tells you to like, look forward to the next thing and focus on the next thing. But you spend. I I personally spent so much time, like once I get a D1 basketball scholarship, then once I graduate, then once I get the job, then once I get the next job and you get caught in this rabbit wheel and you're like, when am I gonna enjoy, you know, these things that I've accomplished?
3: Um, Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Hey, sorry to interrupt, but the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. That's right, we're talking touchdowns, we're talking big plays, and even bigger payout wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Listen, if that's not enough, DraftKings got you covered. Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. That's right. I paused a little bit because I had to make sure that was true. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With bigger payouts than ever, why would you bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. That's right all season long. Here's what you got to do. You got to go to DraftKings Sportsbook and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KCSN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code KCSN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. You can see the show notes for more details. Now, let's get back to the show.
1: So for someone who knows nothing about, you know, what a sports reporter does uh, day-to-day, week-to-week, can you describe what a typical game week looks like?
2: Yeah, so I um, do home and away games. So my week kind of changes based on whether we're traveling or at home. Travel usually is the day before the game, so most games are on Saturdays, and that means that we'll travel on Friday, but that You know, it doesn't totally change the week of Um, Tuesdays. Usually there's so Monday we'll have our broadcast call for the week. So we talk like major storylines coming out of the weekend, um, just some general prep that that we want to like at a high level look into for the week ahead as we all get ready for the game. So whether that's like a player focus for the pregame show for each team, um, which player we'd want to talk to for the pregame segment, that's usually the conversation that I have doing an interview uh, pre-match when the guys arrive to the stadium. Um, so we talked through like all of those things, any stats that are relevant, just kind of like all of those storylines. And then on Tuesday, we'll have media availability usually for a typical game week. And so we'll go out and I'm usually there, every media availability, interviewing coaches, interviewing players. Um, And then I will go out to training again towards like the end of the week. So like Thursday and Friday. Um, Friday there's a press conference, so I'm always on that. But like Thursday and Friday, I usually try to go and like, you know, watch training or interview guys and get things that like not everybody else would be able to get and utilize that access that I have to the team. Um, to my advantage to provide more value, like on the broadcast. So that's kind of like the week. And then it's a lot of prep, right? Like transcribing audio, you know, getting like the little nuggets out of those conversations I've had and and prepping those for broadcast and figuring out what those are Um, prepping for other segments that I do on the pregame show. So sometimes I'll join early on, um, just for, you know, a training report or jumping in with a different story or, or just more insight on a player or trend with the team. And then I always do our keys to the match segment. So I'll host, um, like towards the end of our pregame show. So I'll get stuff ready for that. Um, and so that's kind of like the rest of it. You know, those are the things I'm, I'm doing on a daily basis throughout the week. But then beyond that, the rest of the hours in the, in those days are usually just spent prepping, a lot of writing, talking to myself, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, and then game day. If the game's like at 7.30, we usually meet at the stadium uh, for a home game at like 4 p.m. So we'll have like our production meeting, go through the script, make sure everybody's on the same page, um, talk through any like last minute changes. Once we get lineups, kind of iron things out there, make sure everyone's good to go. And then I go down, get ready for my pregame interview with whichever player I'm talking to. And then from there, I just get set for the pregame show. So that's for home and then away. Um, kind of same thing, get to the stadium about four hours beforehand, you know, walk around and kind of just take everything in. Sometimes there's, you know, good insight I can jump in with, especially if it's like weather related or, you know, the stadium, like let's say it's been raining. Well, is one side of the field uh, pooling with water and how does that impact the game? Just things that like maybe don't come across as well via the broadcast that I can speak a little bit more on. So those are things I'm usually looking for if they're relevant. Um, And then I just kind of get ready, finalize my prep, wait for a player for our pregame interview. And then once the game kicks off, I'm just eyes and ears. So I'm standing usually between both benches. Some stadiums have different setups, but that's usually where I'm at. And just trying to, you know, talk with my producer about things that I'm seeing and jumping in with, insight there or other storylines that I can add that build on, um, you know, what my, uh, my broadcast partners are talking uh, about up in the booth. So it's a lot of fun. And then, you know, getting ready for post game. I usually, some games are crazy and like they'll end and you're like, Oh my gosh, like the whole game changed in the last two minutes. Um, other times you have a little bit more of a, I guess, of an easy time getting your questions ready for post game because the game doesn't change all that much. So that's always just a very fluid thing. Um, and it's yeah, that's kind of like a typical game day. But yeah, it changes a little bit for home in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah. What uh I guess you've talked a little bit about being like that vessel to connect fans to the team. What tips and tricks have you picked up along the way that have helped you do that? Um, you know, I guess beyond the X's and O's.
2: Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'd say like preparing is always going to be like one of the best things that you can do because when you feel confident in what you're saying it's, it's easier to say it. And that's something, you know, I'm still always like trying to get better at is like best ways to prepare. Like what are, for the games that I did feel really prepared, like what were different things that I did in my prep? Like, I think that looks so different for everybody. There's not one, like it's kind of like studying for a test, right? Like you're studying for this big test, I guess that, you know, maybe you have to know all of these different things and you only get asked like six questions. So it's sometimes hard to know like the most important thing to prep for. Um, So I'd say like that is a big one. Like just that preparation, that confidence in what you're saying um, is always going to like help you do that. You know, the rest of it a lot better. You're a lot, you're a lot less focused on yourself when you feel confident what you're going to say but I'd say like the other thing, and this is actually a tip that I kind of stole from one of the players. Um, we had a conversation with midfielder Remy Volterra earlier this season, and we were talking about like the mental side of the game. And he said that every time he steps on the field, he tells himself, I want to play and I want to play well. Like I want to play and I want to play well. And like, he just thinks about what he gets to do as like an opportunity each game to showcase his ability. And like, it's something that he wants to do. And I think that like a lot of us could maybe benefit from that same kind of mantra. Like if you approach your work each day, telling yourself, like, I want to do this and I want to do it. Well, like I want to do this. And I get to do this, like having that appreciation, I think for what you get to do, because like you could find something to complain about any, any time you walk into an office or anytime you walk into like your work station, whether that's a stadium or a station, whatever it is, but I think flipping that mindset just helps you like kind of approach it in a much more like mentally clear and like excited place. You know, I think yeah. it's all about like how you perceive some of those feelings and emotions and how you like process them and, and kind of flip them to your benefit. Another good tip that I had gotten from uh, Laura Oakman, who is a mentor and someone who I got connected with early on in my career. And I did one of her like galvanized camps and it's a great way for like women in the in the business to connect and it was an awesome experience but something that she said was you know anytime you feel nervous like those feelings that you get are the same feelings like that you get when you're excited it's just about how your brain is like reading that feeling yeah and so I love like, that. instead of reading that feeling of like fear or nervousness as oh my gosh like i'm I'm nervous like i'm shaking just like kind of take a, a breath and like tell yourself like you're excited. I had read something once too, where it's like, if you are like feeling nervous and anxious, like your mind's racing, your your heart's pounding. It And then it's like, if someone tells you to relax, well, it's like trying to tell a car to stop, like at, and get to zero miles an hour when you're going hundred miles an hour. So it's like, you can't yeah. really do that as well, but you could redirect the car a little bit. And that's where I've kind of, you know, tried to get myself to be, um, You know, anytime like those emotions come up and then, yeah, like the thing with just being like a a vehicle, I guess, for for the fans, like I look at my job as like I get this chance to serve my audience or serve the audience of the team like I get to be the one to share so-and-so's story and like that's a great responsibility and like a great privilege and so it's like i how cool that i get to tell all these people about this individual or i get to share with them insights about this team and this game and so it's like looking at myself as less of like a performer who's just trying to get a good clip for my reel and more of like okay how cool like i get to be the one to deliver this information. And like, I am the vehicle for the fans getting to connect with this team better and like, you know, vice versa. So it's all been like, kind of just a, a more of like mental change for me and just how I approach like, you know, a hit or my prep. And it's not like I'm always in that, that mental space. I'm definitely not, but it's something I try to be like conscious of. And it's definitely helped me a lot, but yeah, it's, Definitely easier said than done. It's something I'm like constantly trying to practice and, and get better at.
1: Yeah, I love that. I'm going to steal the um, <laughs> I want to play and I want to play well thing. That's amazing. Cause I think a lot of times like live TV is so much about execution that you get so bogged down in the second half of that sentence that you forget like the gratitude piece of it. Um, so, man, yeah, that's really, really cool. Are there any moments? I guess could you point to one or a couple where you were like, man, I can't believe I'm here. Those like surreal moments where you kind of get to take it all in. Do you have a couple of those?
2: Yeah, I. It's just kind of gave me goosebumps because in August, I got a chance to do my first ever national assignment. So I got to work with CBS doing NWSL sidelines for the Kansas City Current and Angel City game. And that right there was like the biggest pinch me moment yeah. just because, you know, it, like I said, had been a dream for me to even get to do the sidelines for Sporting Kansas City. So like the fact that a league and a national producer called me to like work this game, I'm like, wait, me? Um, And I think the reason that it was so, it was really special for a number of reasons. But one of the big ones was that it was at Children's Mercy Park. And like, that was the first stadium that I ever went to in Kansas City. That was the place where I, had, you know, lugged my dinky little camera and tripod equipment and would stay late after sporting games, forcing myself to tape a bunch of standups and get reps. And like, you know, the lights are going off, the the cleaning crews are out, like the, it's fall and it's getting cold and I wore a tank top and I'm trying, you know, it's like all of those like memories just kind of came rushing back. And it was just like this overwhelming sense of like joy and like gratitude that I got to like have this opportunity and in a place that was the site of so many major milestones. It was where I did my first ever sporting game. It was where I, you know, really kind of grew as as a reporter and pushed myself. I did my first ever sideline interview there, even if it was, you know, with my own camera that I went and later edited in iMovie, you know, and like posted on Twitter. So it was just like all of those things. Like my family got to be there. My parents were there for my first sporting game as well and so like just knowing that like this one place has has been where I've like really grown and has been the site of like all of these major moments was just kind of surreal and and I I think definitely helped in making me feel a bit more comfortable too but I just was like so excited and so ready for that moment and, and did not let a second go by where I didn't you know, appreciate it, you know, outside of when I'm like locked in on the game. But like anytime I got like a second to kind of like, you know, let my mind wander for a moment, I was like, oh, like, this is so awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What a full circle moment to come back to. Um, Oh, my gosh. When you're talking about standups. So for folks, (laughs) I don't know. That's like a um, it's like a recorded hit. Like you're not live. You shoot it in front of a camera and I don't know about you. I hate them so much. the worst. And it makes no sense because you think live TV would be more stressful. But when you're live, you do it once. It is what it is and you move on. Something about stand-ups is... So when you're taking me to like, you're underdressed for the weather. Like, it's like midnight. I've been there so many times. And yeah, that was very, very like memorable spot, I think, for everyone in the industry. Yeah.
2: Yes. And it's something too that like, you... I I don't know why like mentally like I approach stand-up so different than I approach anything else. It's like you do something live and if you kind of fumble over a word, you just kind of keep going and it's not a big deal. But like I think there's like that mental part of it where you're like, oh well this isn't live so I could just do it again. But then it's like the more you do it the more you're getting stuck into like okay, well, I said it this way the first time. And then it's like, then you just get in your head and you start tripping over words. And then you just start going down like a, a really yeah. bad rabbit hole. Like, i so I've got some bloopers, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, yeah. even like, and that's not even from just back in that day, like present day, no, I was lastly. literally in yeah. LA. Oh <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: my God. We were in LA for a game. It was so hot. And I had honestly been on a good run. I was like one take wonder there, maybe two for a good stretch. And then like, I don't know what happened. This is like <laughs> September. I could not for the life of me get these dumb words out of my mouth. And my position is like, Allie, take a breath. Yeah.
1: You got this. Yeah.
2: And I was like, okay. And then I finally got it out. But like, yeah, this is something like, this isn't yeah. just like, oh, you'll struggle with it early in your career and then you'll be fine. Some people, I'm sure, are better at them than others, but like, whoo. That's been the hardest part of it for me. Yeah.
1: I'll either get it on take like one or two or 50 and there is no in between. Like, it's like the first time or it is, everyone's ready to go home and like (laughs) you have to get on this one or else you're done.
2: We are staying like, I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Um, to all the very patient camera ops producers. Yeah. Bless you. They make the magic.
1: Yeah. Gosh. Um, I guess how much have you valued this role, too, in the sense of I think I've seen like pictures and things on social media about like little kids coming up to you and, you know, just like idolizing you and getting to spend time with you. I guess how much you you embrace that side of things and and enjoy that kind of part of the process.
2: I have enjoyed that so much. Like, I can't even put into words what the fan bases I've gotten a chance to like report for have meant to me. Um I don't like usually like sharing these things about myself, but this was like probably one of my proudest moments working with Sporting Kansas City. And it has nothing to do with like the players or the coaches or any work that I've done in particular, but there was a message that was sent um, to me. And then also to like one of the season ticket reps from a young girl who literally said that she is pursuing a, journalism degree and going to college because she loved my work and Mm -hmm. I inspired her to do that and I'm like oh my gosh like I never thought that anything I you know was doing like had that effect on anybody and like that's where I think you know the platform that we have in these positions is so powerful and like should be acknowledged and also like appreciated and taken care of like I take this part of my job just as seriously because I know that like every interaction I have because sometimes like game days are crazy and you're like running a million miles an hour but like anytime someone stops me or says hello I always like take that time because I know that like that interaction could lead to another story you know like that where it's like I could have that impact on somebody's day and life yeah just wanna, like taking a sec to, yeah. you know, say hello. And, um, and I, yeah, I just, yeah, that has been so cool. And I mean, every time I go out to the stadium and, you know, see little kids and especially like at the current games, for example, like seeing little girls, I mean, I growing up in St. Louis playing soccer, like would have absolutely geeked out if there was a professional women's soccer team. So like every time mm-hmm. I see those like young girls and like teams out at games, I'm like, that was me. So it's like, I look at just, you know, it, not even like what I'm doing, but like what the sports teams in Kansas City do for all of these young kids. I mean, like athletes, people like who get to tell their stories like we have this like unique ability to like really make special memories for people. And that's just been a really, really cool thing. And I absolutely love the fan bases here in Kansas City that have welcomed me in, have supported me, have been so kind, um, have grown with me. Like I could not put in towards what Kansas City's meant to me and what the sports fans here have meant because they, I think, have made a huge impact on my life. And it's been like such a privilege to get to cover so many different teams and athletes and like stories here in KC.
3: Hey, sorry to interrupt this podcast, but I've got to tell you about our friends at liquid death. You may start noticing that there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local store. Well, fear not. It's not actually beer. It really is mountain spring water from the Alps and it's called liquid death. Uh, No liquid death. Why is it called liquid death? You're asking me. Uh, well, it's because it'll brutally murder your thirst. That's what it says here on my sheet. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. Something that you just absolutely love to see. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Love to see that as well. So, this is what you got to do you got to go to Liquid Death and find it at your local Woodman's, 7 Eleven Roundies, or Hy-V. I go to the Hy-V gas by my house here, I see it everywhere good stuff. It's in sparkling water. It's in just regular water. You can find it anywhere at, at High vee specifically is, is where I get it. Or you can go to Liquid Death and find a retailer uh, using their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash KCSN. That's liquiddeath.com slash KCSN.
1: When you mentioned the um, the young girl that emailed in, I think it's so cool because you can't, it's harder to be something if you don't, see someone who looks like you doing it. So having a woman in this position and, you know, being on the sideline and interviewing players and doing all these things is, I know, inspiring for so many people. Um, and it, it sounds like you take that role, that part of it super seriously, um, which is really, really cool. Yeah.
3: Well, and
2: yeah. I, you know, in addition to like the sideline stuff, I, you know, have had, mentors like recently and and in the last like year encouraged me to go outside like look at different types of roles and I've always been someone who like I'm down to kind of try anything once like maybe I'll fall on my face but I'll at least fall trying something new Um, I'm actually about to start pursuing some more like play-by-play opportunities and doing other types of like sports coverage or you know broadcasting that I haven't maybe done and i maybe haven't seen like a lot of other women do and so i that is i think a goal of mine that i don't think i like i don't think i took that part of it as serious or i didn't think like that i could you know be that for anybody but it is something like i do think about now a little bit more and like take seriously because i do think it's important to see people who look like you and sound like you doing doing different jobs that maybe traditionally people who look like me and sound like me haven't done and i think like that's awesome like the sports media world now with women doing analysis and play-by-play and sideline and hosting and you know gambling content i mean like you see women in all these different roles and it's like so cool just to to look out at all like the diversity across the board and um i I think it's only going to make for better coverage down the line and you know hopefully inspires more and more people to pursue something that maybe they didn't because they just didn't think that there was a path and I'm grateful for all the women who showed me that there was a path and I hope to create new ones as well.
1: I love that. That is so incredible. Um, and man, what an exciting time to, to be in soccer in Kansas city. I feel like this is like just (laughs) such a cool momentum time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for maybe young girls listening to this or parents who have kids, you know, who have kind of expressed interest in this career path, do you have like the biggest two, three pieces of advice, you know, you could give them to, to following this career?
2: Yeah, I'd say like the biggest thing is just knowing that there's no one true path to doing this job. I think there are so many ways that you can get valuable experience. And I think the experience is the most important part. You can go to whatever journalism school and take whatever, you know, internships or get, you know, whatever accolades when you're studying, you know, during your four years or or however long. But the most important things are going to be like the work that you put in, like the, the behind the scenes, the late nights, the connections, like all of those things are going to to really play the biggest the biggest part in, in helping grow your career more so than where you go to school. I like looking back. I think it's like funny for me now because I was never like the kid who was like the most academic in the world. I hated math. I love soccer. Like my most important thing each week during most of my life was like my soccer games, my soccer practice and all of that. And it wasn't getting the best GPA in school or anything like that. And, and, you know, it's just funny now, like I had a great college experience. Like I learned so much at the Mizzou journalism school. And like, that was also important in helping set a good foundation. But I also, have gotten every job I've had up to this point because of the connections I've made, because of the relationships I've built, because of the work that I've put in, um, you know, in jobs that I've gotten or just before I even got those jobs. And so it's like, I think just good for people to know that while so those things are important, there's, there's a lot of ways to get to where you want to go. And it doesn't have to look one particular way and don't be discouraged if it doesn't look the way that you thought that it should look or it it doesn't look the way that it looks for somebody else. Like, you know, you'll hear this a lot, especially in this industry, but like not comparing yourself is so important because everyone's path is going to look different. My path looks so different from so many of my friends who work in this industry than my husband who worked in this industry. And it's like perfectly okay, but there's a lot of opportunity. And especially now with like social media and, just technology. You can literally create your own reps in a number of different ways. Like anybody can literally start a podcast. Anybody can take their phone, go out and record like a fake stand stand up. (laughs) Go out and get those reps on your own right now. Like you can be in high school and you want to know if you would enjoy doing something like this Go out and interview your friends and family. Go ask like your PE teacher, hey, can I like interview the class after a kickball game or something? Like it could be something silly, but it's like those are the things that will just help get you comfortable in finding your voice. And I just I think like looking back, I wish I had maybe pushed some of the fears and anxieties I had thinking of like what other people would think of me and had just like really put myself out there. Um, because I do think like that got in the way for me a little bit at the start. And is something that, you know, it's just all part of the process, all part of the journey. But those are things that I would tell any younger person now wanting to get into this or any person who's at a place in their life. Cause I don't think like you have to be of college age or high school age to pursue this. Like if you're yeah. 30 years old and you're like, man, I think I really want to do this. Like hire a talent coach start, you know, going out and getting reps on your own and just go after it. I guess that's like my best. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Start now. Um, you too can shoot 50 standups in the freezing cold. if, If there's the options there and there is really cool opportunities, as you mentioned, because I think when I was in high school, social media wasn't as big of a thing and, you know, podcasts certainly weren't, um, so yeah, now, as you mentioned, for young folks, you can take your phone out, buy a $10 tripod off of Amazon. And, and that kind of thing it impresses me more when I see people with, um, you know, that kind of work on their reels and stuff, because, you know, they really want it. And they're putting in the, the non-glamorous, you know, hours yeah. to, to work on their skill set, which I think is really cool.
2: A hundred percent. And like, it's also nowadays so much easier, I think, to like, get discovered and create visibility around yourself than ever before. Like, The reason that I had even gotten on Nate and Katie's radar when I was kind of starting out was because I was posting my interviews that I edited in iMovie, which is a free app on your Mac computer that I had, like the same computer I had in college, um, and posted them on Twitter. And that was what I would do after every game. I'd go down, I'd tape the interviews, I'd run upstairs, take my little SD card, slide it in my laptop, edit them up, and then post them to Twitter. And like that was a big reason why I even got in front of him. And he's of course been a big advocate of mine and has helped mentor me and, and just now has become a good friend. So um, yeah, it's, it's so cool. I think nowadays how you can get in front of the right people. Whereas in the past, like you had a VHS tape that you had to, you know, get, you know, for your reel that you had to get together from actual like in studio repetitions and then mail that tape out to people like, we're very great, like very uh, privileged today to be like in a time where you don't have to jump through all those hoops. Like you can just network and and post your work. Um, like a great way to get in front of the right people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We still use, we have like, I feel like tapes feel like a million years ago, but like we still at our station at my last station, we still have like the morgue of tapes that people every once in a while. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, this question is a little bit similar, but, um, you know, the podcast is called our Stories, So I kind of like to wrap with if people watching this, listening to this, get one thing out of your story, what would you hope uh, that would be?
2: Oh, that's like a, that's a great question. Um, I'd say the thing I'd hope is that anyone who like has, yeah, followed me or is maybe hearing my story for the first time, just like feels inspired to go and, and do something that they're passionate about. And yeah, oh my gosh, like I, I don't even know what I'd say because like I, I think like I, in a lot of ways, don't even see like my story as being like close to finish yet. And I know that's probably the case for like everybody you talk to. Um, there's a lot that I'm still figuring out, but I'd say some of the things I've figured out up to this point is that like, you know, <laughs> I, I think my story's shown like that hard work can pay off. Um, maybe things people didn't know about me that maybe they learned today and maybe would want to write down or carry with them. It's just like, you know, being kind to others, being kind to yourself. Um, And, and yeah, take like kind of taking yourself out of it sometimes. Like I think that's something that I, you know, would hope that I can inspire other people to do is that, you know, it's this job can be very like isolating and hard and some, At times, like you can pick apart every single thing about yourself and how you say something, how you look, this, that and the other. But like the more that you focus on making it about the stories and the people and the impact, like the better you're going to feel about the work that you're doing. And I think that's something that I've really, again, have had to remind myself it's not something that I just think all the time or feel all the time, but it's something that like, I hope that I like, that's the story that I'm like wanting to tell and wanting, like wanting to more have as part of like my story. So I, um, yeah, I'd say that's it. And also just having fun with what you're doing. I I think something I've always tried to do is like, let my passion for things shine through Um, anything that I'm doing and, um, that enthusiasm I think can take you a long way because when you genuinely enjoy what you're doing, um, it's hard for people like that's contagious. It's hard for people not to enjoy it as well. So that was like, great question. I, yeah, great answer. Gosh. come up with other things as I, um, as I think more on it, cause I think that's a, that's a question that is, uh, I think a good one for people to think about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I have been a cheerleader of yours from afar for a long time now, um, but knew very little about your story. So this has been so fun uh, and so inspiring. And I'm taking a lot of nuggets with me uh, <laughs> as I move into my career and I can't wait to see uh, how your story unfolds. So Ali, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, this thank has been you. so much fun. And
2: same to you, huge fan from afar. And it's always great to have more women in KC covering sports, we've had some great ones. Um and I'm very fortunate for you know all of our little like network here. So yeah. um keep it up, you're incredible, and thank you so much for having me today. This is fun. Likewise, we'll
1: talk soon. Yes. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on.